We're going, aren't we? Right, yeah. You're going to need these tissues. He's got a bit of a sniffle. Right, cheers. Uh, what time do you want him back? Uh, about five o'clock. And don't go plonking him in front of SpongeBob like you always do. I don't? Yeah, you do. He always comes home going on about crabby patties. Kick a ball, take him to the swings, just spend some quality time with him. Thought he had a cold. Oh, any excuse for you, innit? Well, come on, let's go. And no cheap popularity sweets either. Hello and welcome to episode 98 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish Street catch-up podcast that absolutely needs Jasmine to pick up on our cleaning game and find those fucking hidden cameras. I'm Gavin. And... I'm Gavin. <laughs> and I'm at a loss for something clever to say this morning. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> I've been awake for 15 minutes-ish. Give it up early. Yeah, well, that's because I needed to uh, package up a pair of shoes to ship to Vancouver. Vancouver does need its shoes. Mm. How are you this week? <laughs> <laughs> is this week four? Is this the fourth week that we've been doing this on a Saturday? Or is it the fifth week we've been doing this on a Saturday morning? I think it's the fourth week. <clears throat> but all days just kind of roll together. Tomorrow is Easter. Right. And And the only thing special we have for Easter this year is... A three-pound pork pie for dinner. It is a massive pork pie. Yes, <clears throat> that was a lovely surprise to get this week. Yes, I was very, I was very happy. I ordered it two weeks ago. That's, I think it that's took, standard for Parkers, though, isn't it? It took forever for it to get shipped, and and he said that the the reason, well, part of it is COVID nineteen and everything, but he also said that the pork pies, the the three-pound pork pies, are made individually, so. You know, they had to make it before they shipped it and everything. So that was kind of what was... It's like the size of my head. Holding it back. So, yeah, it's very lovely. Parker's up in Buffalo. They're great. Yeah, they do kind of British grocery store stuff. type stuff. Like sausage rolls and proper bacon and... Meats. Mushy peas and, and things. Pies and Walker's crisps. Though the only flavour they have left of Walker's crisps right now is, is the ketchup ones. Yeah, they're not my favourite, but they'll, 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 they'll do. do. They'll do. They'll do. And I've eaten them both. You snatched them very quickly from my <laughs> hand when I offered them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were consumed. Very quickly. That day. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get as many crisps in a crisp packet as I remember. Hmm. It seemed that they've kind of gone a little bit stingy on the number of crisps that they give you. Hmm. A little bit lighter. Or maybe you're just a bit heavier. No. <laughs> No, it's definitely lighter. <laughs> uh, how are you this week? Yeah, I said already. Have I said that already? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm. I think, I think I'm doing. I think I've said this before. I think I'm doing better about all this than you are, and and the kids are. You know, because I'm so used to this. Is it's it's kind of my routine already that I rarely leave the house and when I do it's just to go drop off a package you know although I'm not even really doing that anymore I'm still jumping off FedEx packages although I may have to rein that in I don't know if the shoe repair shop is going to be open next week thanks to uh, the 
the governor becoming a bit more stringent on what can stay open and what can be sold in stores and what can't. So I may have to start having FedEx pick stuff up as well. But all of my U.S. postal stuff is being picked up. I haven't been to the post office in two weeks. So. Stelly's fine with us. Yeah. We were recording SpongeBob a couple of nights ago. I think I've asked her this before, but I asked her again. And she's like, I could do this for years. <laughs> this is fine by me. I think she does miss her friends. She was Skyping with her with her pal Annabelle pretty much all day yesterday. You know, so I think she does miss her friends. But she seems fairly chill. And I mean, Benny has his moments, you know, because he chats with his friends and stuff on the PlayStation all the time. But then he also... There are days where he wakes up and I don't know if it's just that he's listened, he's watched the wrong YouTube video the night before or or what. All of a sudden he'll be back to, oh, this is all a hoax and it's stupid and we should be able to go out. And they're like, no, you can't and have to talk him down off the ledge again, <clears throat> uh, which it could be worse. It could be much worse. I finished my book. <laughs> <laughs> You've been reading that book for months. Yeah, I finally finished reading the book about the uh, kayakers who kayak from the Wabash, the beginning of the Wabash River to the Gulf of Mexico, which is like 1,600 miles. But you know what is utter and complete bullshit? The premise of that book? No, the book doesn't cover the whole trip. The book covers from the beginning of the Wabash River to the beginning of the Mississippi River, and then it says to be continued, dot, dot, dot. And I know they made it all the way to the Gulf of Mexico, but the book doesn't, the book only covers like the first 600 miles. And I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. This book is over 400 pages long and it doesn't cover the whole trip. I am disgruntled to say the least. And I don't see a second book published yet. And I bought this book, you know, over a year ago. So I am utterly disappointed but I have other books to read, so I've got this really, really awful book about a woman who is who's uh, haunted by a man she tried to save from jumping off a bridge who was intentionally trying to jump off a bridge in an ancient ritual that was supposed to make him live forever. And, and it's just, I want it on Goodreads. I think I stopped listening to you about <laughs> three or four minutes ago. I want it on Goodreads, so I'm reading it on my on my Kindle. Well, not on my Kindle, on my iPad Kindle app. And it's just so immaturely written. But it's there, and it's a pandemic. So what you going to do? You can read good books. Right, yes. And I have a whole bunch of good books to read, too. But I don't know how long this thing is going to last. So I'm... I'm kind of hoping it's all going to be back to normal in another four weeks, and I think I'm wrong. No, because people are still going out and being stupid. I think I could handle another four weeks. I think people, I'm going to struggle quite a bit after that. People are so mad at the governor for saying you can't buy clothes in stores anymore, or, or gardening supplies and things. They're like, this is Soviet Russia! It's like, no, it's not Soviet Russia. You can, you can go a few weeks without buying clothes in the store. You weren't buying clothes in the store anyway. You're just upset because now you've been told you can't. Yes. We are all just 
we're all just taller children, aren't we? <laughs> yes, I guess so. Uh, anyway, I'm not sure you know. What have you been doing to occupy your time while I've been reading books? I have been working. What YouTube rabbit hole have you begun going down? I haven't gone down any other YouTube rabbit hole this week, but I have started watching quite a bit of Twitch. And I now follow Limmy, obviously. Well, yes. Richard Herring, obviously. Mm -hmm. And some guy in Sweden, who's just some guy... He's not famous. He doesn't have a lot of followers. He's just a guy. What does he do? In Sweden or yeah. on Twitch? Yeah. Well, on Twitch in Sweden. On Twitch, he plays Bus Simulator 2018, which is what attracted me to, to his channel in the first place. I was watching Richard Herring, and alongside down the left, it has your followed channels, and it has recommended channels, and, one mm -hmm. of, and his was one of the ones that was recommended. So I went on, and there was only like 20 people watching Oh, is this your new Scottish friend who My lives in Sweden? new Scottish friend, yeah. <clears throat> He's from Glasgow and now he lives in, in Stockholm, I think. Or Stavanger or something. Mm. I don't know. And yeah, that's what I've been watching. I've been watching Let Me Kill People on Dead Before Daylight or whatever it's called. Uh -huh. I've been watching Richard Herring, Richard Herring play snooker with himself. Yeah. And I've been watching this guy drive a bus <laughs> in a video game. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. <clears throat> Give me some of that, insert adjective here, Corey, Corey News. Charlie Bittapello has shaved his head and beard. He showed off the new look on Instagram while walking his dog. Still adorable. The dog, not Charlie. <laughs> Charlie is adorable. Charlie's adorable too. I wonder if... If the reason for this is the same reason that Nish Kumar shaved his beard off. You know who Nish Kumar is, right? Yes, I know who Nish Kumar is. From the Marsh Report. Yes. Well, he's been in lockdown like everyone, everyone else, else. And has discovered that he's not quite as good at trimming his hair and his beard as the professionals at the Marsh Report are. Mm -hmm. And he tried to trim his beard and end up basically it's making a complete arse of it and had to shave the whole thing off. <laughs> I wonder if if Charlie suffered from the same, hmm. the same uh, fate hmm. of not being able to trim his beard as well as the professionals in Coronation Street who do it for him, or just not wanting to bother for the for the rest of the time. I mean, even Stella has you know suggested that maybe we shave her head. So, and I've kind of thought that too because my hair's getting so long; it's like at the bottom of my neck, and I'm like, Bleh. mine is driving me crazy, and I don't have any, but it's like an inch and a half long. And that's as long as it's been in like well, you've got twelve years. I bought that shaver. That isn't very good. Really? Hmm. Oh, that's not good. It's good for doing trimming my beard, but it's not very good for cutting hair. Oh. Oh well. I need to find another one because the other one was good at doing hair. I think it's in the bottom drawer in the bathroom, in the downstairs bathroom. Oh, I'll go check. Yeah, not right now. Later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good, funny, kind of charming news out of the way. Simon Gregson, a.k.a. our beloved Muppet Face Steve, has coronavirus. So, Sally was wrong last week. He says it's bloody awful, but appears to be in recovery. Uh, he has been able to get out of bed for the first time in days. Yikes. Yesterday. And 
He said that he doesn't have the lung version. He has the gastric version. And he's just grateful that he doesn't have the lung version because the gastric version is, is bad enough. Right. And it's very interesting because, I mean, and this is, this is the thing about this virus is that two, three weeks ago, they didn't know there was a gastric version. Just like two, three weeks ago, they didn't realize that it affected the heart so much as well. So this is why I think it's going to be a bit longer than four weeks because they keep discovering new things about this thing. But... We we hope him uh, full and, and speedy recovery. I can't imagine Coronation Street without Steve's precious little Muppet face. <laughs> it would be funny if it started up again like tomorrow and everyone shaved their heads and Steve McDonald has to keep on running to the bathroom. Would that be funny? No. No, it wouldn't be funny. It wouldn't be funny. It'd be weird. Yeah, and then he would give it to everybody else and then... Uh-oh. There's no show there. No. No, that's not good. I mean, Wednesday was depressing enough without having... <laughs> this, we'll get to this week. <laughs> this week was, was not the one I needed to uplift me in these troubling times. Finally, the Cory cast has reached a financial agreement with ITV through their union to ensure that they'll still be paid for the next three months. Crew and production team members, including writers, have been put on the government's furlough scheme for the crisis, which gives them 80% of their salary, and ITV will provide the remaining 20%. So, and everybody is assured that they will still have a job at the end of this. It's up to a certain amount, though, I think, isn't it? I don't think that certain amount's a huge amount of money. Well, it's... The government furlough is 80% of your salary. Yeah, up to a limit. If, you, if you're getting paid a million pounds a year, you're not going to get I don't 800, think I don't think the writers or production crew on Corey are making a million dollars a year. Oh, you're being facetious now. Okay, great fun. <laughs> True. Yeah. But, and that's but some of them will be getting paid a decent chunk of change. Yes. It's maybe not a million pounds, but it's maybe not 20,000 pounds a year. Well, all of the reporting that I saw said that they will be paid 80% and then ITV will be paying the remaining 20%. So. There you go. That's Corey News. That's Corey News. <sighs> Our mailbag. Scott got in touch. Yay, Scott. A.K.A. The Mersey Tart on Twitter. Woohoo! Author of Five, Five Things, Things We, we learned, learned About Corey, Corey this, week. this Week. Essential reading, I'm going to call it. Absolutely. Most of the time he agrees with us, so... Yeah, there's, there are times when I read it and I think, oh, shit, I wish I'd mentioned that. And then it's too late. Yeah. There uh, are times I disagree with him. But, for the most part... Anyway. Anyway. Good to hear you and your podcast still going, even though we've got fewer episodes and also dot, 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 everything else. Yes. I thought I'd drop a line with my thoughts on why Alina was brought back. As you said in this week's episode, it doesn't really make sense dramatically for her to return to Weatherfield where this awful thing happened to her, especially as Amy had already told her Sepp had moved on and was engaged. Where it does make sense is from a production perspective. There are lots of schoolgirls in the show and there are loads of women in their 30s, but in the last year we've lost most of the female characters in their 20s. Rana, Kate, Sinead and Bethany all left. Sophie went on their maternity leave. They need their numbers showing up. And while we've got a few, they're not con uh, conventionally attractive characters who have a dramatic focus. Yeeks. Emma's a 
comedy character, Gemma's a mother of five, and Nina's a goth. They need someone to put on a nice frock on the cover of the Sunday supplements. Kate used to do a lot of this. You could create a new character to fill that gap, but that takes time. Think how long it took Nina to finally live and work on the street, so it's a lot quicker to get someone back. Elena got a job and moved into the flat within the course of a week and immediately created some drama because she had pre-existing relationships with Seb and Eileen. And I can't pronounce her name. Plus, Ruxandra Projnichu is a very pretty young woman who was nominated for a Best Newcomer Award at the Inside Soap Awards and they probably liked her behind the scenes and she worked well, so stuff it. Wedge her back in the show and iron over the lack of logic. That's a very cynical view, I know, but I'm a very cynical person. Keep yes, up the is. good work, chaps. Thank Oi. you very much, Scott. I'm not a chap. That's okay. We're collectively chaps, though. Are we? Like we're collectively folks hmm. or guys. Yeah. Hey, guys. Okay, fine. Yeah, that's a fair point to him. Um, I think I still would have preferred just a, a brand new character, you know, just some random person who's been in the background working at the factory, you know. Although they've brought another schoolgirl back this week as well. Yes, I have. Which we shall be chatting about very soon. Yes, shit just got mm. interesting with in that regard. Mm. And then we heard back from Jamie from Nashville, our new Tennessee correspondent. Yay! She says, I need to get this off my mind. I am not at all happy about Tracy's attitude towards Emma after Eccles. Tracy really does suck. I think she and Tim's dad should run off together. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Tracy has been a bit of an asshole about the whole Eccles thing, which we will get into. She's ridiculous. Very soon. Especially since she's the one who's been, who was fobbing Eccles off and Emma. She's just lucky. I mean, she should have caught this before now. This whole thing. She should have caught this? She should have. She should have noticed that Eccles was not well, oh, right, well yeah. before this. I think Eccles was fine until Emma started talking to her. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tracy still doesn't deserve... Um, to be tortured by Tim's dad, though. Nobody nobody deserves that. I can't think of a female character that deserves that. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind Tracy being subjected to that. I wouldn't yeah. mind it. Tracy has her good moments though. She's been better recently, but yeah, I think she kinda showed her true colours on on Grim Wednesday, as mm. it <laughs> as it shall be known. Again, I think she's just you know, she doesn't want people to say, wait a second, if this was as bad as it was, why didn't you notice this sooner? But anyway. That's not really... We'll, we'll get to we'll that. We'll get there. Hindsight Corner. A bloop, 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 bloop. Last week, I said IDST meant if dead, still true. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that. Oh, what does it mean? It means... If destroyed, still true. Same difference. Nah. And then we're going to hit... Six and two threes. This button. Crank that up. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're waiting quite long before your welcome, welcome, welcomes now. I like to do... Right when the do 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 because that's about when um you know 
the thing that we're not trying to imitate. Last week tonight, we're definitely trying to imitate that. It's the same chords <laughs> and a different... Did you watch it this week? Uh, did I? I think I saw some of it. Mm-hmm. It's good. What was that about? What everything's about these days. <laughs> no, it was about no, something... There was, uh... I can't remember, but the background is is better. It's not like a bright white. It's like a m- muted gray now, so it's better than than what it was. It was still funny. I remember laughing at it. I watched it on Monday morning, so that was mm-hmm. like seven years ago. So. Yeah, I watched it the night of, but that was seven days ago. So six days ago. So. <sighs> <laughs> Yikes. It's last year tonight with me, John Oliver. You're much more adorable than John Oliver. John Oliver is far more awake than me at the moment. I will guarantee <laughs> well, you that. Well, we don't know that. Just enough time to quickly talk about Polish the Weasel. Can oh, this is about uh, the, the, the weasel that um, the weasel that David got for the barbershop. Yeah, and Natalie was trying to prove her worth <coughs> By polishing the weasel, wink, yeah. wink. Natalie was trying to Natalie was trying to prove a worst to David by cleaning oh. the barbers. I was Gavin, and you had allergies. Eh, still do. This was our first episode brought to everyone by Donahue Solicitors. Ah, oh, R.I.P. Donahue Solicitors. And this is the the first episode since that deal came to an end. Yes, which you know, in in the current state of the world, I'm not blaming them. No, um, I would just like to say thank you to Donahue yes, Solicitors for the yes. support over the, the last year. Yes. It came at a time where we had some car trouble and the sponsorship really helped us out. Tooth trouble. And yeah, so it was kind of remarkable that this kind of landed in our, in our lap, so to speak. And the deal was for a year. That year is now up and thanks to a lot of things, including... Everything that's going on, yes. they're not really in a position to extend for another year, which I didn't no. really expect them to. But anyway, anyway, yeah. Thank you to Kevin, and thank you to Donahue Salvator, Donahue's solicitors, and Steve, and Steve, for yeah, yeah. You 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 helped us out in a tricky time. Thanks. Yes, thank you. <clears throat> anyway, I erroneously called Adam Blees Peter Blees. Don't know where <laughs> I got that from. Sorry, Adam. <laughs> Carla's really rubbish at crosswords and has the confidence to use a pen, then sees a dead runner in Haley's red jacket or something. Chesney nearly gets run over by a slow-moving milk float ahead of the Mr and Mrs Knight at the Rovers and goes to make a will. The quiz uses a dynamic microphone setup that behaves like a condenser. (laughs) 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 Steve doesn't know Tracy's middle name despite marrying her twice. Natalie's given a chance at the barbers much to Nick's anger. Gary isn't great at being a loan shark. Abby took charge of her own orgasms. Thank you very much. Moment of the week. Yeah, she had to borrow the batteries from the remote control. Yep. That was hilarious. Moment of the week is Nick and Imran talking about Nick's dead dad. And boring moment of the week was Ken and Daniel talking about baby wipes. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Huzzah! Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. I'm so tired. It's all right. It's a short week. <laughs> Three episodes. It's fine. Last week lasted exactly one hour and 30 minutes, mm-hmm. which is what we normally take. Right. With half the content. Right. We made some of our own content. 
Our first storyline tonight, this morning, is Tim's fucking dad. Oh, go fuck him. <laughs> or don't go fuck him. He needs to go fuck off with himself. I am Timbot4000. <sighs> Tim's fucking dad can go and fling shite at himself. Yes. Thank you, Timbot. On Monday, Yasmin manages to convince Tim's dad that she's not leaving him. She's only going to be gone for a couple of days and manages to get the house. This was this great... Uh, a cliffhanger from last week. Right. When she was ready to storm out and he stood in her way and said, you're not going anywhere. And we thought, oh my Ooh. God, this is, I can't wait for Monday to find out what happens. And, and it, then, it's kind of... Oh, <laughs> it's such a deflated balloon on Monday. It's a, I'm not exactly sure how this is all getting constructed. But last Friday should have been the, the end of... Wednesday. It should have been the, the end of the first part of Wednesday's episode. That's that's where that break was. Mm. That's where that cliffhanger was. Right. And then we come back from the break, and then this is what should have happened. I don't know. It's it's confusing. Yeah, and it's not nearly. Doesn't really live up to the to the build up I had all weekend. No. Oh. So Tim's dad looks like he's falling to pieces, and Yasmin here. Here's a replay of Tim's dad's uh, scolding remarks when she's on the path. Which was good. That was good. It was still a bit of a damp squib, though. Mm. So Yasmin goes round to see Alia, and she tells her about Tim's dad not booking anything and gives Alia the green light to say, I told you so. But Alia says that that's not what this is about. Right. Now Yasmin is worried that she can't afford a ticket, but Alia says that she'll take care of it. And all the while, Yasmin's phone is buzzing like mad as Tim's dad bombards her with messages. Ugh. So a little bit later, Alia's booked Yasmin's ticket and is ready to check her in. And still the notifications keep coming through and Ryan offers to get her a gin and tonic, but Yasmin says that she doesn't drink anymore. Alia's curious to know if her grand still thinks that she has a drink problem. It was just another way for Tim's dad to exert his control as more and more notifications still come in. Mm -hmm. Yasmin eventually relents and there are 42 texts that range from come home to I miss you to I'm sorry to you're acting silly now and end with don't be surprised if I'm dead when you come back. And then Oh, for fuck's sake. And then I love you, goodbye. <sighs> so this obviously gets Yasmin in a... So manipulative though. Right. She desperately needs to see him. Alia thinks Tim's dad is playing her like a fiddle. Which he is. Yasmin says Alia doesn't know him. He's a damaged man, but he acts out of love. Ugh. Alia isn't buying it and tells her grand to realise that threats don't come from love or insecurity. You don't really know him, says Yasmin. Yeah, well, neither do you, says Alia. And she brings up the Claire's Law thing. Mm -hmm. Eventually, though, Yasmin and Alia go home to find a picture frame smashed and covered in blood and no sign of Tim's dad. Yasmin goes to phone him and then we see Tim's dad in a pub somewhere else. And then we see Tim's dad in a pub somewhere else watching the CCTV that still hasn't been discovered. And, a, and apparently there's sound now. And it seems to be in a different location. I thought the I thought the camera beforehand was in a CD rack or something yeah. on the wall. Yeah, but, it but was now, in the shelves. Right. But now it seems to be under the TV. Unless but, there's more than one. Yeah. It it doesn't make and the 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 image and everything are really good and he's able to see it on his phone now Top instead quality. of the laptop. Well, it's just an app, I guess, or just a website mm. that he logs into. I made this point on the Twitter this week that 
Jasmine really needs to discover these right these cameras. absolutely. And somebody said she knows that they're there. No, she doesn't. I don't think she does. No, she doesn't because she told him to remove all of them, and he right. said that he did. But then there was that one that's hidden that she can't see. And everybody came out. Or and, two. And yeah, now it looks like there's two. It's just rubbish. Rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. There's no way with all of her cleaning that she hasn't found these things. Yasmin can't go to Spain like this. Alia suggests leaving it with Tim, but Yasmin thinks this is callous. Alia thinks this is another manipulation and she's falling for it. Right, there's not that much blood. There's blood on some broken glass on a picture frame. Yeah, he cut his finger. Yeah, there's not that much at all. Aya thinks this is another manipulation and she's falling for it. Yasmin calls Tim... Did I say that? Yes. Yasmin calls Tim's dad vulnerable. 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 Aya should know all about it. Look at Aiden. Yasmin, what are you doing? And Aya correctly says, do not compare that man with Aiden. Right. Tim's dad will wander home sooner or later and this time Aya will say, I told you so. So Ryan talks Alia into going to Spain, promising that he'll keep an eye on the situation. Yasmin's case is still there, and Ryan says that he'll take it round to her later. They were so close, says Alia. Meanwhile, Yasmin is at home, contemplating calling the police when Tim's dad walks through the door, just like Alia predicted. Yasmin throws her arms around him. She was so worried. He says he's fine now. She's all that he needs. She sees the bandage on his oh. finger, and he explains it away exactly as Alia predicted, mm-hmm. and this seems to give... Yasmin some pause. Yes. Later, Tim's dad and Yasmin are watching TV, but Yasmin is staring through it. Tim's dad says they've had a stressful day and suggests an early night. He's not seriously expecting his hole right now, is he? Yes, he is. Jesus Christ. Yasmin wants uh, to uh, sleep in the spare room. A lot has happened in those emails. She wants some space. And Tim's dad, remarkably, is agreeable to this and goes off for a chippy tea. And when he's gone, Yasmin phones the fake number in her phone that Alia put in as the police officers, mm-hmm. so that she can find out about that Claire's Law thing. <sighs> On Wednesday, which was the most depressing episode of Cornish of Street time. I think I've ever seen. Of all time. And we're including Aiden's death in that. <laughs> that wasn't really depressing. It was sad. This is depressing, though. Mm. Yasmin is in the computer. In the community centre slash not a factory. It's early and dark and she's reading pamphlets on domestic abuse. Yeah, it's not a factory anymore. No. Remember, they've moved out. That's why I said not a factory. Yeah. <laughs> There's a knock at the door. It's the two policewomen from a couple of weeks ago. The details do relate to that affray in the pub. I thought this was going to be something additional. Yeah. I This was this, this continues the whole damp squib of this whole storyline is that they lead, they build it up and they lead it you to believe that they're is more than just this one incident. And if we know anything about about abusers, there should be more than just this one incident. Well, there is a little bit additional to it, but it's still... Yeah, but it's still the same woman. Mm-hmm. It's Yeah, this was very disappointing. The police confirmed that the landlady of the pub confirmed that Tim's dad and the woman were breaching the peace. Yasmin already knows this, but then the police announced that Miss Walker already had a complaint of harassment against Tim's dad. This is new news, and Yasmin is asked if she's afraid of Tim's dad, and she doesn't really know, but she calls him intense. 
They offer to take her to a safe place, a refuge, and Yasmin insists that she's not a battered wife, but the police say it's not all about physical violence. Yasmin wants to think it over. Yeah. I think if they had said, you know, I think if they worded that differently, do you, do you want help getting rid of him? Or do you want help? Do you, do you want some security, some, some help moving back in? You know, moving in with, is there some place safe you can go? Do you have friends that you could go and stay with and be safe? I think she would have been more amenable to that than saying, do you want to go to a battered women's home? Yeah, the word refuge, I think, has some heft to it. Yeah, there's some connotations there. Kind of zero to a hundred. Mm-hmm. A bit too quickly for her. Yes. So back home, uh, Tim's dad wants to talk about yesterday. He apologises for everything that happened and admits the email was from an escort. Yasmin says that he denied it yesterday. Tim's dad pleads innocence and says that he was confused. He thought it was a dating agency. He's just a silly old man. And he asks if they can move on uh, and get past this. And without answering, Yasmin goes off to make lunch. Tim's dad sends her out to feed the chickens. Then looks like he's about to go through her bag because she has one of these pamphlets for domestic abuse that she picked up. Later, Tim's dad goes to have a lie down while Yasmin cleans up. She checks her bag and the pamphlet is gone. Of course it is. And then comes Tim's dad. Looking for something, he asks. And Tim's dad says he's not going to have a nap after all. He's off to the pub, but he will need her keys because he's lost his. Yasmin pretends that this is absolutely fine. Then Ryan goes round to check on Yasmin, but Yasmin's not in a talkative mood. Ryan says, tell me to mind my own business, but he's right round the corner if she needs anything. And she says, yeah, mind your own business. Ugh. I'll go off then, he says. And when he leaves, Yasmin hides a small overnight bag in a locking cupboard, takes a seat, and seems to do some serious thinking. I can't believe she gave her keys to that man. I can't believe she did it. I don't know for the... Because Ryan came round. Right. So how did Ryan get in, if he's got her keys and locked the door? Well, she can unlock it from the inside. But if she leaves, then she can't get back in. Or maybe go to the back door. He's got the keys to probab- to both doors. So That's probably can, not a Yale lock on the back door. He can lock her out, but there's probably some sort of lock on the back door. So he can lock her out if she leaves and she can't get back in. Mm. So now she feels like she can't leave because then she, she can't get, she won't be able to get back into her own home. Has he still got her bank he, cards? Yeah. Yeah, he's still got all of her credit cards and everything. It's when Alia is like, well, do you have, don't tell me he's taken your cards. And she's like, no, 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 it's fine. Uh, and there was also foreshad- some deep foreshadowing there about that whole pamphlet thing. When, the poli- when she asks for a card from the police officers and they say, well, we don't like to give out cards because, you know, we don't want your abuser to have something that he can find. Yeah, don't want any evidence of this meeting that ever happened. Right. And she's got that flyer, which I don't know where she got it from. Was that something that was just there at the community center, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a little mm-hmm. rack of right. pamphlets for different things. And right. And one was domestic abuse. Yeah. You should have just left that there, Yasmin. Yeah, you run the community center. You can go back and read that anytime you like. Seriously. And they don't need to put it in your bag. It kind of felt like we were reaching a bit of a peak last week with this. I know. And then... I'm not kind of as excited as I was about this reaching some kind of dramatic 
conclusion. Right, yeah. It was supposed to meet some dramatic conclusion in the end. Mean was supposed to be triumphant going to Spain and then they just rewound it again. And it's <sighs> And it looked like it was starting to set it up that Tim's dad was like faking his own disappearance. Right. Or death or something. Right. But that didn't even last an episode. No. And he just comes walking through the door. Right. Triumphant. Not explaining anything about those text no. messages. Not explaining no. anything about that smashed photograph. No. Just like nothing had happened. Right. Hmm. Yeah. It, for Yasmin to have been so strong on Friday and then to just completely cave once again on Monday was just, it was a kick in the teeth. Well, at least she's got in touch with the police. And she's found out that Claire's Law thing. At least she's, she's gone that far. Yeah. Because she wasn't for doing that a couple of weeks ago. That's true. But then again, that was just, oh yeah, there's this incident that you already know about. And the woman had already put in something before then. And that's it. There's no deep, dark secret, which I was really hoping for a deep, dark secret. I wanted something a little bit more than... Dramatic, yeah. Uh, Something more concrete that couldn't be like. that couldn't be waved away with a whole he said she said thing. There was a nice little bit on Twitter um, that someone retweeted from uh, at Rachel Norline. She said, "If twenty twenty was a person, hashtag Coronation Street." There's a picture of Tim Stad. Yes, <laughs> saw so, that. That was perfect. That was so funny. Oh dear. <laughs> Our next storyline uh-huh. is also Tim's fucking dad. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's uh, Simina. <clears throat> Simon. On Monday. Uh, just a couple of scenes here. Seb insists on helping Alina with eight cups of coffee and the wee holder things. And Emma is just out her door or something and she sees this assistance and she doesn't right. look happy about it. Yeah. And much later, Seb goes round to explain to Emma that he was literally just helping Alina with the coffees. Emma doesn't care anymore. Seb wonders why he feels like the bad guy when she dumped him. And Emma wants to keep her distance from him in future, so he leaves. And there's more stuff with him later on that is part of another storyline. And, 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 well, we can, we can say that, you know, she tells him he has to move out right now. Well, I'll, I'll cover that in another storyline. Do you, do you cover all of that? Mm-hmm. You know, I... I can't help but feel a little bad for Seb in all of this because he did not cheat with Alina. He did not, you know, and all of the things that he said, which he caught Alina and David, all of those things were true, you know, and he didn't try to, you know, and it was Emma who wanted Alina to move in, not Seb. But she did that for him. Right. But she didn't have to. No, she didn't have to. And he didn't necessarily want her to, did he? That'd be completely awkward. It's a terrible situation. Right. I, I feel like Emma is punishing Seb for her own bad decisions. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair on him. And also, I'm just sick and tired of this whole... <laughs> thing which she brings up she brings up when she's which we will talk about when she's talking to the dog she brings up david and chesney and everything so she's self-aware that she has this issue but she doesn't seem to notice 
that the issue is with her overreacting time and time again and then just caving and giving in to other people. I gave this a story number of its own because on Monday it looked like it was its own standalone and then later on in the week it became clear that Emma was part of a different storyline and this should really go along with that as well. Mm -hmm. So when we get to that storyline, pretend that this bit belongs to that bit. Sure. Are we going to do that bit now? No. No. Our next storyline is storyline number four. (laughs) Remember last week? I forgot to give it a name. Oh. And I called it storyline number four, so I'm just going to stick with that. It's Gem on the Quads. Oh, okay. On Monday, Chesney's in the cabin talking to Cathy and Brian about Alad's hearing and stuff, but when Brian mentions that Gemma must be made up, he admits that, well, she isn't actually herself, but then blames Bernie for hanging around, which Cathy agrees with. This isn't Bernie's fault, Chesney. It is not. But Bernie is packing and getting ready to leave. Her taxi is waiting. Gemma shuts the door on Bernie and Chesney, which I thought was quite strange, because mm-hmm. Chesney's coming home. Yeah. And she shuts the door on them. Bernie tells Chess to keep an eye on Emma. Gemma, this is more than the baby blues, <laughs> she says. And then she jumps in the taxi and off she goes. Oh. <clears throat> and off she goes. Off she goes. <laughs> Inside, Chesney wants a chat. Bernie said that Gemma isn't herself. God, Chesney. Mm-hmm. I've just been speaking to your mum and your mum says that you're not yourself. Although I haven't noticed because I'm incompetent. Yeah. Gemma insists that she's fine, but Ches wants some honesty. Gemma says that Bernie made all this up so that she could stay rent-free. And Chesney... Which doesn't make sense because she just left and she didn't seem like she was trying to force herself back in. She just said, take care of her and keep an eye on her, not, you know, you're wrong for kicking me out. Keep an eye on her and then call me back. Chesney, the feckless moron that he is, falls for it. Aye. And on Wednesday, Chesney's off to work and Gemma's doing dishes and Chess thinks that she should go to the duck pond or something to get some fresh air. She bites his head off but seems to agree. And then the next we see her, she's sitting at the bus stop and she's fantasising about letting the quad stroller roll into the street in front of a bus. She snaps out of it and wheels him on while Chesney sweeps the pavement across the street, utterly fucking oblivious to anything. No, he seems to be keeping an eye on her a wee bit. He keeps looking over. She's, he smiles when she gets on the bus. Yeah. But he's watching. Doing doing what I suggested that she do. Go yeah. to that stupid fucking duck, duck pond. Right. So, I, I wasn't quite sure what happened here. Was this immediately after getting on the bus, she gets off the bus? Or had some? is this the bus coming back? Because it seemed like some time had passed. I'm not sure. Anyway. It's, it's, it's a fog. She has gotten back off the bus. And she's just sitting there. And then the bus finally rolls away, which I don't understand why the bus would, you know, why the bus driver isn't yelling at her saying, hey, you just left these kids here. What the hell? The bus driver drives away. This is what's confusing after, me, though. Because it's, it is it is confusing because we don't see her get off the bus. She gets on the bus. The bus drives away and does its route and comes back and then she gets off the bus or she gets on the bus and then she just gets immediately off the bus. She seemed to immediately get back off the bus because Chesney is fine watching the bus. And then when he sees the bus roll away and Gemma's sitting there without the quads, that's when he freaks out and runs out and says, wait, no. Because I got the impression that some time had passed, but... I don't think so. It's, okay. It 
they don't give you an awful lot so anyway, to go on. Gemma gets off the bus, basically where she got on it, uh, and she doesn't have the quads. And Ches and Paul realise and give chase and catch up to the bus. And an extra who's getting paid a little bit more money because she has a line explains that Gemma just disappeared and left them. So back home, Chesney recounts the time he left Hope and Ruby on the bus. Gemma remembers that. Mm-hmm. Ches blames it on PTSD and is frustrated uh, when Gemma doesn't join the dots. She insists that she left her purse, but Ches thought that she looked calm and asked if she did it on purpose. She denies it, saying that she was spaced out, and Ches thinks she needs some help. Gemma refuses to give up her babies and storms upstairs, leaving Ches alone to call Bernie. Mm-hmm. So on Friday, Bernie's back, and Ches tells her to read to tread carefully just as Gemma comes downstairs. Gemma's still playing, leaving the quads in the bus. Chess needs to know how she's feeling and Gemma says that she feels like she's on trial. She grabs her coat and she leaves. And she goes to the community garden and is found there by Rita who wants to know what the matter is. Rita isn't going anywhere until she finds out what's bothering Gemma. So Gemma unloads on Rita. She thinks that she's making a mess of everything and she's having really dark thoughts. Rita knows what she's talking about and advises talking to Chesney because Chesney's so so great great. at helping. And Gemma is worried that he'd leave her. Rita says that there's no better person to speak to than Chesney, and she takes (laughs) Gemma home for dinner. So later... Oh dear, Rita, you you put so much faith in that man. Mm -hmm. Rita delivers Gemma home and suggests that she speaks uh, to Chesney again. Gemma admits... Alone, and then forces Bernie to leave, but then Rita stays. What was that all about? She wants to speak to him alone, but I'm going to stay and put right. the kettle on and then sit right here. What? So Gemma finally admits that everything isn't okay. She doesn't know who she is anymore. She isn't coping and she feels like she's drowning. Chesney poo-poos it. They'll get through it, he says, but she isn't so sure. Then Rita, who's again, is still there, thinks Gemma needs some help with the kids. But it's worse than that. Gemma's having seriously dark thoughts. She can't unthink what she's thought. And she can't forgive herself. The bus thing wasn't an accident, she confirms. And Chesney says it's in the past now and they can still sort it. And he decides that he's going to take her to see Dr. Gaddas. Huzzah! So at the medical centre, Gaddas was expecting Gemma to come back. I've been expecting you, Miss (laughs) Miss Gemma. Money pants. (laughs) Gemma money pants? Money pants. (laughs) It's winter, isn't it? Gemma winter. Gemma admits to feeling like a different person. I was giving her a James Bond. Last name. Is that a James Bond last name? Well, it, Money sounds, it sounds like a James Bond last name for a woman because we know they're all kind of slightly risque. Money Pants isn't really risky. It's Pussy Galore and things like that that they well, have. Oh, no, Blackman if think, died. If you think Doesn't of, that be shame? Yes, if you think of pants the way Brits think of pants and not Americans think of pants. Like Money Panties. <laughs> money Undies. She's got money stuck in her undies. She's a dirty, dirty girl. So anyway, Gemma is worried that if she tells the truth, the kids will be taken away. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Mm -hmm. That last bit, I expected something else to happen. But no. So Gemma's finally admitted that something's wrong. Mm -hmm. So that's good. Mm -hmm. She can start to get some help. Some meds, so that mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks she'll be back to normal again. So that's good. It doesn't feel like this has done anything. No. 
I think because she's been like this for so long that it's... It's got its moments. Right. Yeah. It's just nice to finally see something kind of move, I guess, on this, because it has been dragging out for a little bit. Correct. Which is fine. I mean, these things are slow burners, I guess, but mm. I don't really have very much more to say about it, though. New. Yeah. Good to see Bernie back again. Mm-hmm. She's back and forth like a yo-yo. Yeah, she is. <clears throat> I wonder where she's staying in the interim. I don't know. I don't think anybody cares. <laughs> Our next storyline is the recurring self-destruction of David Platt. Mm-hmm. Just a couple of scenes of this, yeah, this on Monday. Yeah, this is too bad. And it's lovely. I like this. And the factory Gail is giving Alina the cold shoulder. Nick makes a case for her not doing anything wrong. And besides, David is just moving on. He can't put his life on hold indefinitely, he says. And then Gail says, sees David on the street. She's glad he's back to normal. He says the walk did him good and asks her to mind the kids later when he goes out again. And and Gail just gives him a smile and... Same old David. Cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. But it's not same old David. Right. Because this is David trying to get into fights with people still, I think. Isn't it? I don't know. But she thinks it's, you know, oh, he's 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 doing better and stuff. She so. thinks it's great he's going for walks and he's clearing his mind and stuff, right. but he's going for walks trying to get in it bother. Yeah. Because that's what he's doing. And that's as far as we got with that this yeah. week. Just But at least they're talking. Nothing. Yeah, him and Gail are, are talking again and that's nice. There's not a huge amount left to talk about. This is far more in keeping with how long I thought it would typically take. Yeah, well the next storyline. It's just a couple of scenes again. Oh. It is Michael who might end up working at the factory. Oh, yes. That was this week. And also, you think maybe he'll start dating Alina? Oh, God. The two of them don't know each other, and the way they were speaking to each other this week was like, they were... Best mates. Bosom pals. Yeah. Because on Monday, Michael's at the factory for an interview for the sales team. Alina and Sean try to give him a pep talk. Michael needlessly gives Alina the backstory of his little girl before Nick calls him in for the interview. Mm-hmm. And after the interview, Michael tells Alina that he thinks the interview went well. Why are you so worried? Asked Alina. And Michael explains that he can't get started right away. He needs like some work some He notes. needs to finish some a project with his dad. Right. Which I don't understand why he needs another job if if the work with his dad is going well and, and who's going to help his dad if, if he's working at the factory. Right. You can't expect Ed to do all these construction jobs by himself. He'll just hire somebody else. Yeah. Alina gets a text from Seb and Michael gives unsolicited advice that maybe the two of them can remain friends. Just mm. kind of awkward and yeah. weird. I don't care if he works in the factory. Don't care. So moving on. Another one with just another couple of scenes. Well, again, maybe this is this is setting this up for Michael and uh, Alina to have a relationship and and maybe Seb will start working for Ed and maybe that will cause problems. Maybe. The next storyline is the return of our Kelly. R. Kelly? You. No, thank you. Rick the Chin's daughter, Kelly the Chin, seems to have transferred <laughs> to Weddy High. Yes. She finds Ash in Summer in Roy's Rolls and asks for help finding one of her classes. Mm-hmm. Luckily, it's a chemistry class that Ash is in, so she offers to let uh, Kelly the Chin tag along. And Gary sees this from across Roy's rolls. Yeah, he's stunned to see uh, the daughter of the man that he killed. But then Asha... And also stunned to see the girl who he's spending an awful lot of money to put to keep in a really nice school 
now going to Weather County. Weather High. Yeah. Weather County is a football club. Oh, whatever. But then <laughs> Ash and Summer have to duck as Ash's old flame, Corey. Because remember, there's a character called Corey and Corey. Yes. <laughs> and EastEnders is a character called EastEnders. Corey walks out. Is there a Holly Oaks in Holly Oaks? <laughs> Kelly thinks there's a much better gag. <laughs> Kelly the Chin thinks that Asha is punching uh, above her weight. No, 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 she thinks Corey, Corey is, is punching, punching above, above his, his weight. weight. No. Yes. Then later, Kelly has arrived with Asha at home, invited for tea. Dev's thrilled by this. It seems Corey has been in touch with Asha after Kelly had encouraged her to, I don't know, something. The girl's talking about boys, whatever. Meanwhile, Gary's at his furniture thing on the phone making sure with someone that Kelly's still getting her education at Oak Hill. The school, I think it's the school that he's on the phone with, can't say, but seem to confirm that she isn't, that she's no longer right. enrolled. Yeah, and we can't tell you whether or not a a minor child is a student at the school, person who's not related to minor child. Why isn't he calling, what's her name? The big thug woman that... that Sharon. He, Sharon. Of course it's Sharon. <laughs> yeah, he should be contacting Sharon about why his money isn't going where it's supposed to be going. Who's taking care of this, Kelly? Her mother. Her mother's not on the scene anymore. I thought her mother was on the scene. No. Yeah, no, because he, he she stays with her mother part of the time and Rick the Chin the other part of the time. She wasn't living with Rick the Chin. He had her like on weekends and stuff. Oh, was it? Yeah. Well, her mother's still in the picture somewhere. Oh, well, that's fine then. Well, but it? supposedly the dad was still paying for it and it was, but it was actually Gary because the dad was, he said he had to go away, but he will still pay for school. Right. Because Kelly's still under the impression that Rick the Chin's, Rick alive. The chin's abroad somewhere. Right. Just has been really, really quiet for. Yeah. Six months or whatever. He's still a man, though. He's, he's still not a man. abroad anymore. He's not abroad. Oh, see, you did such good work with that last gag, and now you've kind of just destroyed it. <laughs> he's not abroad named Hollyoaks. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good to see that Asha seems to be <laughs> over her uh, skin whitening thing. That's no longer, that doesn't seem to be a problem anymore. She seems to be a bit more adjusted. Yeah. But happier. Yeah, I don't think that's going to last. I don't think Asha's happiness is going to last. The show typically doesn't allow Asha to be happy for no. any length of time. Why so. is it that they keep beating up on Asha and not, you know, giving a horrible storyline to Amy or Summer? Summer needs a horrible storyline. <laughs> when is Summer going to get her horrible summer storyline? Do they need the horrible storylines? Amy got to- pregnant. So that was kind of horrible and had to deal with an abortion and everything. That was kind of horrible. So it's Summer's, summer's turn. It's Summer's turn. Summer needs a horrible story. Well, she had a horrible granny, didn't she? Horrible yeah, but gran- that was ages oh, ago. Was years ago, right? Yeah, we're doubling down on poor Asha here. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thinking that we're doubling down on poor Asha. I might be wrong, but I have a feeling that... It concerned me that Corey was back in the scene. Yeah. Because yeah. I think he's no good. Correct. I don't think he's good either. I, th- I think something horrible is going to happen there between her and Corey and Kelly. Right. Yeah. Oh, Kelly's going to end up going out with Corey. That's what's going to happen. I, I assume. Who knows? <coughs> anyway. Our penultimate storyline tonight. This morning. <laughs> today. 
Oh, I haven't named this one either. It's a little protesty group thing. Oh, I love this. That came completely out of the blue. I loved it. I loved it. It was my favourite thing. On Friday at Roy's Rolls, Imran has given Toya some interview tips. I didn't think that was necessary, Imran. No, and what is she interviewing for? Because it's not a counselling job. That was a job with an insurance company. Right. Why why can't she just set up shop on her own as a counsellor? Just get an office. Right. And be a counsellor. Meanwhile, Nina reveals that she's been charging extra for folk who are bringing in their own cups to be filled because Royce Rolls is trying to phase out paper cups. But she's only charging extra to people who bring in cups that are bigger than their normal cups. She, Mary and Evelyn are off to protest at the council who seem to be dragging their heels over air emissions or something. And Toya is happy to join in, much to Imran's chagrin. Mm-hmm. Later, Leanne comes into Roy's roles and reveals to Imran and Roy that a lot of them have been arrested. <laughs> <laughs> I think we kind of saw that coming, didn't we? Yes, we did. There's no protest without an arrest. No. So, Roy and Imran turn up at the police station and the desk sergeant's like, well, I didn't think that Imran would be involved in something as low level as this. It turns out that they haven't been charged. They've just been cautioned and they're free to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what they did was they gaffer taped the head of the environmental committee or something who seems to have enjoyed it a little bit too much right yeah like all these women mm -hmm. taping themselves to him doesn't want his wife to find out so he's not pressing charges nina is chuffed that they stuck it to the man and the gang of protesters are keen to keep up the fight and this isn't the last you're going to hear of this or so it seems but still that's as far as that gets this week uh i yeah i love this i love evelyn and nina kind of it seems like Evelyn and Nina are the ones who kind of have teamed up. They give each other a fist bump and all of that. And, you know, Mary's kind of a tag-along and then Toya's a, a, another tag-along. Evelyn seems to kind of take umbrance the whole Mary thing. I was curious about that. I think Mary's just annoying to people, there's still especially a, people like Evelyn. There's still a poster in Roy's Rolls for Mary's one-woman show. Is there? <laughs> So maybe we'll get to so see maybe it eventually. It is going to happen. Mm-hmm. One of these days. But I loved, I loved Evelyn with her little, her little beret, you know, and her dark clothes and everything. Uh, she looked very French Resistance. Yes, she did. <laughs> I loved it. 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 This was the thing. This was this was the thing that got me through my week. <laughs> Nina and Evelyn are odd, odd bedfellows. I'm going to say. Well, remember they made up because uh, Evelyn helped her fix her dress when it ripped. When they were on the bus thing for the 600th episode or the... The 10,000th episode, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 600. I don't know. So it's, so it's nice. And, and this seems to indicate to me that this, I think, helps the idea if, if, if Evelyn and Nina are becoming good friends that once her fancy man is out of the way... It'll make it easier for her and Roy to hook up. Yeah. Because I still want her and Roy to hook up. Nothing about the, the fancy man this week. No. Or this half week. <laughs> I wonder. Hmm. So what do we think? Do we think he's married? Who, Arthur? Yeah. Is he married? Is he gay? Is he... I don't think he's gay. Well, I'm just I don't throwing... think he's married either. I'm just throwing ideas out there. I think he's genuinely a potential love interest for her. Hmm. He seems very nice, but I, I'm just wondering what is going to be the wrench thrown into that. 
Was it last week that I tweeted Chris, yes, that one's theory that uh, Arthur is Tyrone's granddad? Yeah. And initially I quite liked that theory. Uh-huh. And the actor who plays Arthur, yes, he, I think he was the first person to like it. Right. And then retweeted it saying, uh-huh. this is a great theory, what do you think? Uh-huh. Which sounds like he doesn't know. Right. And also led or me to believe... Or he's pretending he doesn't know. And it led me to believe, for some reason, that he's not on a long-term contract. Hmm. That he's not a permanent new character, he's just here for the storyline. Hmm. And if that was the case, I'd be quite, I'd be quite sad about that. You'd be happy with it because it keeps right. the the Roy thing yeah. a possibility. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. That was our penultimate storyline. Yeah, I, I'm still, I'm not even clear what they're protesting. Um, they're protesting um that the council is dragging their feet on in, increasing some environmental laws that need to be put into place about fossil fuels and stuff. Where the county council? Yeah. <laughs> this doesn't seem like something that would be dealt with on that level. Well, you know, like small laws. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I liked it. That's all that matters. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Our final storyline tonight. Oh. This morning. Boo. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. Boo. Emma and Eccles and SpongeBob SquarePants. (laughs) So, yeah, I could have just slotted the first one. Because the first one was just Monday, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it? Let me find it. It's fine. Yeah, it was just Monday. I could have just stuck this in. Anyway. In this. Uh, Can I be bothered doing that in the edit? No. How do you know what I can be bothered doing? I do a lot of. Crazy shit in the edit. Uh, well, I know. Like and, last week, we forgot to say, uh, and that's our boring moment of the week. So I just copied it from the week before and pasted it. And you'd Why never are you notice. telling people this? You'd never notice. Why are you telling people this? Are you going to cut this out? You'd never notice. No, I'm not going to cut this out. I'm quite proud of it. <laughs> yes, but the whole point is that people not know how well you do your job. Sometimes it's nice to just uh, let, let the magician share his secret. Not that, I'm, not that I'm calling myself a magician, although I am. <laughs> not that I'm calling myself a magician. You're a magic man. I'm definitely, definitely a magician. On Wednesday, Emma is petting wee Eccles, talking about how she's everyone's dummy run. Yeah. She brings up David, who went on to marry Shona, Chesney, who now has quads with Gemma, and Seb, who's now with Alina, even but though she's, she's not, not with Alina. She thought this time someone else would have been the practice girlfriend. And Eccles at this point is looking for a razor blade just to, just, <laughs> to, just to finish it all off. And again, where is Rover? Why is Eccles getting all the pets and not Rover? Poor Rover. In the community garden, Emma is sitting with Eccles when Dev comes along. And again, where's Rover? You could walk one dog but not the other. Dev doesn't think that Eccles is looking too great. So they take Eccles to the vet and some tests have been run and the vet thinks it would be better to speak to the owners. In other words, the dog's fucked. Mm-hmm. But the Barlows are away for the day or something, so Emma phones Ken Scotland. because, of course, she has Ken's number. Why wouldn't Emma have Ken's number? Well, maybe because she's taking care of Eccles and it was like an emergency number. Who knows? Or maybe she was able to call somebody else who would have Ken's number. I don't know. But she has it and she calls him and he doesn't answer and that's his own fucking fault. 
<laughs> I think it's an unwritten rule. Emma does all she can to get a hold of p- other people. Emma does everything right in this. Does she, though? I don't think it's her call to give the green light to what happens. She doesn't have a choice. The dog dies on the table. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. That definitely does not happen. No. The dog is still under uh, anesthesia and the vet says we just don't wake her up. The, the dog does not die on the on the table. The vet explains that Eccles has a tumour on her spleen. It's either operate or let her go peacefully. And Emma insists that they do what they can. See, this is the thing that she does that... Because this is going to cost a lot of money. Right. And that's not really a hard decision to spend Ken's money like that. Well, and again, if she hadn't said that and said, well, let's just put her to sleep and not fought for her, that would have gotten her in Shit's Creek as well. Well, no, because the barrels come home that episode. So... We're right, talk, they talk, eventually, we're, they we're eventually about, get there, but it's been hours. We're talking about waiting a couple hours, right? What's, what difference is a couple hours going to make? Basically. The answer, no difference. The vet has other patients to attend to. Yeah. Emma pets Eccles and promises that everything will be fine and she'll be walking with Ken on the red wreck in no time. Emma says that she was a lucky dog to have so many people who loved her in her life. Emma's waiting for the results when the vet comes out. The situation is worse than expected and there's nothing they can do. They could wake her up and she'd get a few more painful days, but the humane thing would be to not let her wake up. And she asks the vet's advice, which seems kind of obvious. So then Ken arrives at the vet with Steve, Amy and Tracy, and Emma, Emma says that Eccles didn't make it. Tracy asks what Emma did to her, and Emma <coughs> explains about the tumour. Tracy doubles down, calling Emma incompetent. Then Ken goes to speak to a vet. Well... Emma says, I'll just go get the vet for you. And Ken's like, no, 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 I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Quite dismissive and a, right. bit, and a bit cold. And again, Tracy is just deflecting because she should have noticed this. Tracy is the incompetent one because she was supposed to be taking care of this dog. And if the tumor had already gone past the spleen and was everywhere, Eccles should have been showing signs well before now. And actually, Ken should have noticed... You know, when she did something uncharacteristic, like peeing in that hallway. You know, it's like, she, she never does things like this. Well, then maybe there's something wrong with her, Ken, and you should have taken her to the doctor then. Ken. So Ken that go- is your real name. So Ken goes to speak to the vet, and Steve sends Emma home as the rest of the family hug each other while the vet explains what happened. Did Eccles die just so Emma could feel alone and shunned by her new family? Yes. What a terrible way... Terrible reason to kill that dog. Although, <coughs> the dog who plays Eccles is still alive. Lots of people were worried that the dog actually died. And then that's why this storyline existed. Because the dog actually died. And Coronation Street had to had to confirm that the dog was still very much alive. And no dogs were harmed in the making of this episode. What's wrong with people? Seriously. Well, it's, it's a really awful time in the world where... <laughs> Things hit you pretty hard. Even pretend things. This was all part of Wednesday's depressing extravaganza. You had Eccles dying. You had Tim's dad's stuff going on. Right. What else was it on Wednesday? Gemma. Gemma and the quads in the bus stuff. It was like, oh. The only bit that wasn't depressing was uh, Kelly the Chin. Right. That was the only bit. But there was no laughs on Wednesday. No. Anyway. 
So on Friday, Steve is now off to get Oliver. Emma comes in and Tracy calls her Cruella Deville. Oh, fuck Ugh. off, Tracy. She calls Emma judge and jury. Emma thinks it should be better moving out and Steve stands his ground and tells her that she's going nowhere. And Steve says that she did the right thing. Then Leanne arrives, angry that Steve was late picking up Oliver. Oliver's got the sniffles, apparently. Hmm. Uh-oh. Leanne wants him back at five o'clock and no planning, planting him in front of Spongebob again. Last time he kept her going on about crabby patties. And no cheap popularity sweets either. But I'm pumped-ish. Later, Ken turns up at number one and he's uh, still a bit of a shit to Emma. Yeah. He's got the vet bill and it comes to a thousand pounds and he doesn't have pet insurance. Emma's made to feel more guilty than she already was. Back at Shady Acres, Claudia offers to pay for the bill, but Ken says that he'll pay it with the proceedings of the sale of number one. Assuming that ever comes through, says Claudia, which suggests that there's a bit of a spanner in the works there. Claudia offers... No, I just said that. Along comes Norris, who announces that Charles is running for re-election. This will be his eighth term. No one ever stands up to him, and he suggests that Ken uh, puts his name forward. He Mm -hmm. could overthrow Charles. Norris says that he would, but nobody would ever vote for him. And that's true. Right. Emma has moved back into the flat after the echo stuff and tells Seb that he needs to move out today. Seb is agreeable, but not for today. Emma begs that he doesn't make this awkward. Seb wants her to be reasonable, and he has rights. And And, that's true. And Emma storms off because he's paid his month's rent. Right, yeah. Then Summer turns up at number one looking for Amy as Emma, across the street, starts throwing Seb's stuff out of the uh, bedroom window. Mm -hmm. Oh, my console! Because he can't say PlayStation. Yeah. Obviously. Steve gets somewhere to look after Oliver, who's plunked in front of Spongebob right enough while he goes over to sort out whatever's going on with Emma and Seb. And Summer says, I'm not very good with kids. <laughs> so later, Steve's managed to get rid of Seb. Emma is sick of being uh, reasonable with people. Steve says Seb has promised to move out as soon as he can. And Emma that, wants Seb... the law is on his side. Seb wants... Uh, Emma wants Seb to ignore her and keep out of her way and he won't be getting a brew in the morning anymore. Sure. Then back at Shady Acres, Ken is sneaking in a cheeky couple of lengths. But not like that. No. Claudia tells Norris and Frida that uh, he's still grieving over Eccles. And then along comes Ken, who Claudia thought was in the swimming pool, and he announces that Eccles meant the world to him. Mm -hmm. Norris reveals that Charles won't be shedding any tears over an incontinent animal. Which is weird that Charles would know about Ken's dog, but anyway. Right, yes. I don't think <coughs> Charles does. I think Norris is making all of this oh, do you think so? bit up. There's an amusing bit about Old Shep, though. That was fun. I kind of skipped all over that. Yeah, you did. So this Charles remark, or supposed Charles remark, riles Ken up. He tears down Charles's election poster. Charles has made an enemy of the wrong man, says Ken. <laughs> Then back at number one, Steve comes in to find a panicked Summer and an unconscious Oliver. Summer says that he was fine and then took a fit watching telly. He was shaking. Steve picks up his son and rushes off to the medical centre. Why did Summer not run out and shout, Steve, Steve, something's wrong with Oliver? Because she said it just happened. It just happened right now. Mm. And that's how we end this week's episodes. This was a weird way to end. Yeah, it was. This is, I think, the clearest indication that we've had that these episodes aren't going out exactly in the sequence that were intended. Right. If you think about it, if we started last Monday mm-hmm. and we have half the episodes, right. then over the period of two weeks, 
would have one week's worth of episodes under normal circumstances. Right. So what we saw on Friday should have been the end of last Friday. Right. If everything had been the same. I don't think that's how that would have happened. I don't think that's how that episode would have finished. Because the, the music came up while people were still talking. And the rush out was just done kind of awkwardly. I just didn't feel like this was really properly the end of an episode. I didn't even feel like it was the end of half an episode. And yet it was. <laughs> she said dismissively. <laughs> she said because no. I have nothing to add to this. No, I just... I don't know. I, I can't imagine they had an awful lot of time to be... I don't, I don't think they are trying to re-edit or rework things. I wouldn't have thought so either, but when we talk about last week's ending with uh, Tim's dad and Yasmin, mm-hmm. that very much looked like the end of the first episode and then we'd, we'd come back to it mm-hmm. like half an hour later or whatever. I think you're overthinking this. I, th- I think it, it, it... To me, it felt, yet again, like a cliffhanger to get us through the weekend... And I feel like that is how an episode would have ended with kind of a cliffhanger to the next episode. You know, now we're going to find out what's wrong with Oliver and start fresh with the whole Oliver thing, which we have been feeling was going to be in the works for a while now. I don't know. It felt an awkward transition into the weekend. The weekend for me. Mm. It looked like just a regular end of a scene. And you, you kind of expected something else to happen straight away. Really? I, I, really, I was surprised when the music came up. And I was I chanting away to Ben Price fan club. I think she feels the same way. That it that it felt like it was the end of the first episode or halfway through the hour-long episode that you usually get on a Friday. Hmm. Oh, that's right, because they've been doing that whole thing where Friday there's only one episode. But, well, for all intents and purposes, though, it's just the same hmm. as... As Who far as, as we watch it, right. it doesn't make so. any difference if it's an hour longer or whatever. But yeah, yeah that's the end of that. Hmm. So what's wrong with Oliver? I don't know. He's having a fit? He's got, is he epileptic? Or he's allergic to something? Spongebob? He's going into anaphylactic shock about something? Who knows? But remember, at his birthday party, he was kind of lethargic and was sleeping through half of it, even though it was his own party. Where he had the Hulk... Oh, remember? That's right. He was asleep on the couch. So why is he watching SpongeBob and not, you know, Marvel cartoons? Maybe they don't have Disney Plus. I don't know if that's a thing in the UK. <sighs> I've no idea. SpongeBob was just like a cause he's a weep. He's a weep. He's small. There's there's surely some toddler shows one can watch. One can plonk a child in front of as opposed to Spongebob. Spongebob is a weird choice for a child who's not even really talking yet. He goes on a bit crabby parties. He's talking because he goes on a bit crabby parties, apparently. Yeah. Which is weird. He goes on about the crabby patties and not Spongebob and Patrick or Squidward. Maybe uh, Mr. Krabs is his favourite. <laughs> like me. Well, then he should be talking about money, 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 money. I like money. He does like <laughs> That's money. what he should say instead of crabby patties. Who knows? All right. Well, we'll see how that goes. I don't think Oliver is long for this world. You don't? You think he's going to, he's on the way I out? I think they're killing Oliver off. Uh, there's too many kids. 
We get confused sometimes. I'll get confused remember when, all the time. Remember when, when Harry was at his, his own mom's <laughs> wedding and you were like, why is Oliver there? And I'm like, it's not Oliver, it's Harry. <laughs> and that's all oh, right, Sarah has a kid. Exist. Nobody had a bath or a shower this week. <laughs> they did it just to annoy you. I know, <laughs> that's how it feels. <laughs> so I won't be publishing the updated table for oh, week two. Well. That's a shame. Oh, well. Your moment of the week. For me, it was the, the, the band of ladies going out to protest, but that's thought... No. That that can't be for everyone, because that's just my own personal happiness. Um, God, I don't know. What was your moment of the week? <laughs> I'm desperately trying to think of anything that gave me any kind of joy. Uh, the only thing that gave me joy was Nina and Evelyn's fist pump. I don't think I have a moment of the week. So shall we go with mine and just annoy everyone? Because honestly, nothing else. I mean, I'm so- I'm sorry. I can't pick a depressing thing as moment of the week. Not during this day and age. I, I-, I can't pick the Emma and Eccles thing. Well, I can't. I can't pick Gemma leaving babies on a bus. I can't. I can't pick Yasmin once again going back to fucking Tim's dad. But not, but not like that. <laughs> but not like that. I can't pick any of those things for moment of the week. I just. I can't. I can't. The world is in crisis. We need a little bit of joy for moment of the week, and that was the only moment of joy in the whole in the whole week, really. There wasn't really anything else. No. No. We can't pick depressing things right now. I thought we picked a depressing thing last week. Was it? Oh, no, it was uh, Yasmin standing up to Tim's dad. Yeah. And then then we're just immediately crushed (laughs) this week. Fuck it. That's our moment of the week. Moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Everything else. <laughs> no, because it wasn't boring. It was just depressing. I think it has to be from that same storyline about, you know, when they were talking about the size of cups. Oh, really? <laughs> or, oh. or oh, no, no, no. Boring moment of the week. Michael and Alina becoming acquainted. Yeah, that was boring and <laughs> weird. And just, it just felt so false as well. Yeah. Okay, that'll do it. That's our... Boring moment of the week. A boring moment of the week. A little bit sharper this week. We maybe shave ten minutes off, something like that. Huzzah! If you've been arrested but not charged for duct taping yourself to some guy on the council and you need legal representation, please drop us a line. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com on email and on Skype for voicemail and on PayPal for tips into our virtual tip jar if you're so inclined to do so. Elsewhere, we are at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And I am begging you to please leave a rating and review on the iTunes. We got a three-star rating last week. Yeah, I think it was the semen uh, that did it. I think people just don't want to think about our sex life. It wasn't even about our sex life. It was about just general... Se- oh, no, it was, I guess. Like, <laughs> you made it about our <clears> sex <throat> life. You you sure. Shush. You make me blush. <laughs> Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. We oh, will- and put tips in our tip jar because we no longer have a sponsor. So please, help us get through this trying times. 
<laughs> Put a tip in our virtual tip jar, paypal.com, please. Yeah, so thanks for making it to the end of another episode. We will be back next week, episode 99 next week, with more uh, talk of the street. Talk of the street. Cheerio. Bye.